Hello and welcome to the Modern Midwife podcast. Sharing the journey of parenthood through stories, expert opinion and of course parents themselves. The theme of this episode is motherhood unplugged. I'd like to lift the lid on old wives tales and also get to know what it's really like to be a new mum. Today I've got my first guest, Danny, who is a mum of one, Ava, who is two years old now. So we'll jump straight into it. So Danny, who do you live with at the moment? I live with my husband, Kyle, Ava's father, and Ava. Oh, lovely. And how long have you been together for? Oh, uh, six years. Sorry, I forgot there were six years and we got <laughs> married in December. <laughs> what, this December just gone, did yes. you? Oh, did you? I didn't know that. Oh, congratulations. Was Ava there then? She was, yeah. She was really well behaved, actually, which a bit worried about an 18-month-old all day, but she loved all the attention, so it went well. Yeah, oh, bless. I always think that I'd quite like to have my children at my wedding, I think. It's nice. It Trying on dresses uh, while breastfeeding wasn't the best thing. No. But other than that, it was a pleasant experience. <laughs> Did you get any breast milk on a dress? Yes, probably. <laughs> <laughs> and she used to poo in every bridal shop as soon as we walked in. So I had to change the nappy every time. Oh, no. Worse than bridesmaids. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah literally. Um, okay, so I, um, of course, we know each other from before because I saw you during your labour and I know that you did have quite a tough time because I came in and we had a little look at the um, monitoring of your baby's heart um, and little Ava, she wasn't all that impressed in there, was she? So can you tell us a little bit more about your birth? Yeah, absolutely. So I was uh, nine days overdue started to get quite a bad headache my blood pressure had been rising slowly in the last few weeks popped to the midwife she said yep you're going in yeah. um and was sent into Trulis because I was pre-preeclamptic and I was yeah. so overdue by then they were like we might as well just crack on with things yeah. which I was quite happy with mm-hmm. um popped a pessary in nothing happened day and a half contract a few contractions here and there they were like oh yeah things are happening yeah. and then they'd have a look and there was nothing to look at I wasn't Aww slightly dilated she was still only three-fifths engaged mm-hmm. they were like oh dear she's been quite stubborn yeah. um and then after about a day and a half went upstairs and was popped on the drip which yeah. is the syntocinon it's that the hormone drip That's yeah lovely stuff um, <laughs> starts quite intense quite quickly um yeah. and yeah uh, managed about four and a half hours on gas and air and then asked him to check me with the agreement that if I was six centimetres or more I'd carry on and if I was anything less I wanted an epidural mm-hmm. I was four yeah <laughs> get me an epidural Fair enough. Um, but yeah so her heart rate sadly kept dropping and she was in quite a lot of distress it became apparent and the the stronger the contractions became the more her heart rate would drop so um they I had to go on my left hand oh uh, Funnily enough, actually, I had to go on my left-hand side, which meant the epidural set on one side of my body. So then I had um, contractions from one half, but not the other, which was... Wonderful. Quite the experience. (laughs) I was like twitching, and people were like, you all right? I don't think it's working. Um, But it was fine. Um, And then, as you said, you came in, and I think we had quite a frank conversation where I told you I wasn't happy, and I was very worried. Um, And you listened and got a consultant who made things move quite quickly um they initially said they were going to do an emergency c-section and then they looked and she'd come down very rapidly she'd gone from i think six to ten in half an hour or something it all happened quite quickly 
Yeah, and sometimes that can cause that bit of fetal distress when they progress quite quickly down into the pelvis because things change so fast and, uh, yeah, it can cause distress, yeah. Yeah. So um, they said to me at that point, unfortunately, because she's in so much distress and this is an emergency labour now, we're going to have to do forceps and we're going to have to cut you. And I was like, please, can I try and push on my own? And they said, actually... At this stage, this is about the safety of your child, which I totally respected yeah. and said, okay, we'll go that way. Um, out she came, I pushed, uh, which was my favourite part of the whole labour because I finally felt like I had some control back yeah. and I actually loved pushing, really felt empowered by that process. Um, did you? And yeah. did you have any guidance on the pushing or was it an instinctive thing for you when it came round to that stage? Well, luckily for me, in some ways, the epidural hadn't fully worked because it settled so I could still feel the contraction so I was able to push better I think than sometimes women who have had the epidural in for a long time yes yeah definitely um so and I had the the room was full of quite a few people at this point Um, and one was the sister on the ward that day and she was instructing me and we just had a really good connection and she would say stop pant push Mm -hmm. all the rest of it and I trusted her so I listened um, but I love pushing. It felt really empowering. Yeah. It felt like I finally had some control over this labour. Yeah, well, after a couple of days, like you say, you had the pessary and then that didn't work. And then obviously you had to go up to delivery suite, have the hormone drip. Things were quite slow. Then you had an epidural. And then finally you get to that finish line yeah. and, you're, and you're pushing and you're like, yes, this is it. The end's in sight. Yeah, definitely. And I think they used forceps for one push and then took them off. Right, okay. Um, which I was like that's fine and it just felt like the first time in the whole labor that I wasn't being interfered with (laughs) it just felt like oh it's me and my baby doing what we hoped we would be doing anyway she came out uh she'd had the cord wrapped around her neck so Mm -hmm. that had been the issue and there was some meconium in the waters when they'd broken them right so um she saw a pediatrician for literally 30 seconds they were like she's fine she was a unit she was nine pounds Oh, wow. Yeah, that is a big baby for you as well. Obviously, you can't see Danny, but she's she's small. <laughs> she's very slim. <laughs> Unfortunately, I go up and down like a boy in the hip area. Um, <laughs> but she, um, yeah, so she came out screaming, very angry with the world that we'd been trying to force her out with a cord wrapped around her neck. And now I've met her. And we understand her personality. I can completely see her in there going, what the (laughs) hell are you doing? Do you not know you're strangling me? Um, But yeah, so it was quite an intense process. And I think it was intense for my partner as well. Um, He was actually really good. I listened to him a lot. He was actually the only person I trusted in the room because he's the only person I knew. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I remember going in, I remember seeing his face and he did actually, he looked really together, mm. really with it, mm. and, like, I got this, and he was stood right by your side, mm. bless him, and I remember looking at you both thinking, oh, you you look like a really strong couple. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it, he did. He did a really good job, and mm. I think afterwards it hit him more. But the, the hilarious thing is I went for a shower pretty quickly afterwards, which I was fortunate to be able to do because the epidural had settled so I could get up and walk, but they said, yeah. as long as your mum goes in with you. So I went into the shower room and... Um, <laughs> took my clothes and then just looked at my mum naked and went, please can you shower me? <laughs> Which I don't think I've done since getting off the beach at about four years old. But so she did. Um, and then we walked back into the room I'd laboured in and I looked around and I said, oh, have they moved us rooms? And that's how out of it you are. Yeah. I literally, I was like, oh, this is a nice new room. Completely lost track of where you were, yeah. No idea. So that was the labour experience. And I think... In, for a while, I thought it was quite a traumatic experience. And then for a while, I had a lot of um, guilt about the whole process. I felt quite disappointed that I'd been so 
so many interferences all the way through from medical professionals, I think. Right, that's what I was going to say. So what did you feel, why did you feel that that was your fault or that you should feel guilty for that? Where where do you think that come from? I don't know. I think now I look at it, in a, and that's what I'd like to say, it, all labour, actually, mm-hmm. whether it's 10 minutes, <coughs> oh, I have a baby, yeah. <laughs> or four or five days of contraction stopping and starting is traumatic to everybody because it hurts mm-hmm. and it's scary and it's a really odd process to go through yeah. and you're vulnerable. Yeah. And I think that's what I've learned now. It's It all feels quite scary no matter how you think someone else's labour's gone. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, 50 years ago, maybe neither of us or one of us wouldn't have survived. So actually the labour was a really good labour. Yeah. We had a good birth. And what has brought you, because obviously Ava's two years mm-hmm. old now, and you didn't always feel like that about, as you said, you felt guilty initially. But what what was that kind of, where was that moment in your life that made you think differently or view your labour different? Was it f- talking to other mums? Was it reading? Was it just computing what had happened? Like, what do you think really helped you? I don't, I don't know. I think, going back to, cause, sorry, I went off on one. Um, when you first asked why I felt guilty, I think, there's so many... My family, the women in my family had all had good births. Yeah. I had a great pregnancy. I didn't have any issues. I was really fortunate. I was really healthy, really happy. Um, and then I went into labour and I had... And I'm, I like to have control of things and I had no control all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. My body wasn't doing what I thought it should be doing. Mm-hmm. My baby was fighting it. I mean, I could feel her fighting it. I could feel we were both in sort of odds with each other. Yeah. And it felt like each step, the next hurdle, I wasn't able to overcome on my own. And I think for me, having the epidural, I really felt like I can't handle the pain. This is ridiculous. But then I've looked back now and I think, no, actually you did handle the pain. And the best way to handle the pain for you on that day was to have an epidural. And there's no shame in that. And I think that's the key point is we feel shame because we compare ourselves to the success that we think other people have had in birth. And Mm -hmm. actually I had a successful birth because both my child and I, are here and healthy and there's yeah. been no long term impacts on our health mm-hmm. and people might have a successful birth even if there are impacts you have yeah. to just say this was my birth and that's my story and not compare it to anybody else yes exactly and not add your own story on top of that as well you know like oh I wasn't good enough or you know I needed to have that epidural and exactly so I think probably to help other people that are listening to this what the most important thing is to to not put too much pressure on yourself to not compare yourself and also to not add stories to what happened like you said the fact of the matter is you both are healthy and well now and that's the most important thing yeah Yeah. absolutely and I think the only way I can describe the labor on the drip and that made me feel better when I started to understand that process was Mm -hmm. the way other people have described labor to me is uh, you know, you start building up this pain and, and the, it gets more and more great as, as time goes on to the point you go, oh my God, I can't cope anymore. Yeah. And then you're ready to push. Yeah. Whereas I just got put on a drip and it felt like that. And mm-hmm. I said to somebody, I described it as saying, you know, if you're sat in a bath mm-hmm. and somebody has the hot tap running slowly, yeah. you can sit in it till it gets really quite hot. But if someone put your big toe in that bath at that temperature straight away, you couldn't get in that bath. Yes. You're like, that's too hot. Are you yeah. mad? I can't get in that. It will burn me. Yeah. But if you're sat in it and that temperature builds, yes. yeah. it's a completely different process. I think that is the most beautiful analogy I've ever heard of being on Sintosanon. <laughs> Definitely. That is exactly what it's like. Yes. So, yeah, no shame in having an epidural, no guilt in having forceps and all those things that happened because actually they were the they were there 
because that was the best option for the health of my child and myself at that time. Yeah. But I think you can't help but say, but my mum and my auntie and my grandma gave birth mm-hmm. in two hours. And yes. Yeah, exactly. And add that comparison, like you said before. So let's talk a little bit about motherhood unplugged mm-hmm. and what, what it's really like to be a mum and lift the lid a little bit because I think that we don't necessarily talk about this enough and that's what can sometimes contribute to the feeling of mum guilt which we know is really popular and common um so yeah what would your advice be or what would you tell other mums to expect um if we are unplugging motherhood what do you think I I mean, I wouldn't want to speak on behalf of anybody else out there because I think that's where I went wrong, is Mm -hmm. assuming that I would be like other people. All I can talk is from my own expectations. So I think before I had a baby, what I heard people tell me, whether it's what they were telling me or not, but what I heard people tell me, the stories I heard was I had a baby and I felt an overwhelming feeling of love and it was the best feeling in the world. Or I had a baby and I had postnatal depression and I couldn't cope and I didn't. connect to whatever reason for different things with my baby or my life or I felt really lost and sad and so when I was pregnant I had the biggest fear that I would either have postnatal depression or that I'd have a baby and go oh my god I don't feel this overwhelming feeling of love I'm a Mm -hmm. terrible human being yeah um it turns out for me I have my baby and I felt love absolutely but the overwhelming feeling was um protection Mm -hmm. and this sort of mama bear instinct kicked in I fell in love with my daughter as time went on, and I can even remember looking at her and thinking, oh my God, I've never loved anyone as much as I love you. Mm. So I loved her from the beginning, but that overwhelming feeling that people described, that wasn't my feeling. My feeling was of protection and care. Um, Did that concern you at the time? Did you notice that? Did you think about it? Or you didn't really have time for that? um, I definitely think I sort of thought, oh, I don't feel what I thought I would feel. Mm But I was I felt so protective towards her that that took over and that was quite a strong feeling and that felt quite good. Um, in fact, the day I remember looking at her and thinking, you know, I'm so in love with you. I was sat on the sofa on my own with her and um, I could feel that she was having a poo. And I was like, that's fine. So I let it be. And then I was quite tired anyway. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, gosh, it's quite warm poo. And then I realised she just shat all over me, actually. Oh. Um, so I and, the, and I was on my own and it was everywhere. It was all up her back. It was all up. And I was like, how have I missed this? It, we, it just exploded really quickly. And I ended up having to put us both in the shower because mm-hmm. there was no other option. And I remember just looking at her and her. she was too young to even be smiling, I think, at the time. And just thinking there would be no one else in the world whose poo I'd be covered in and yep. looking at them and thinking, yeah. oh, you're so cute. Yeah. <laughs> Even though it was quite gross and a bit stressful yeah. at the time. So, yeah, I think, yes, that was my, my issue. I think I was worried about feeling those things and the pressure's really great. And then actually, I think it's a spectrum. I think you do feel overwhelming feelings and I never felt depressed, but I certainly got very close to that point mm-hmm. of feeling that I can't cope, I feel really low, yeah. I don't know what's going on. And it's a spectrum, and I moved mm-hmm. up and down it a lot. Yes. And I think more women need to be aware, mm-hmm. from my perspective, of my experience, that some days are great and some days are shit. Yeah, and there isn't that super happy, wonderful mum or 
depressed mum. You know, there is, like you say, there's a spectrum and you do tend to go up and down that spectrum and that's normal. You don't have to fit in one box or the other. Like, I've got postnatal depression or I'm a super happy yeah, mum. And that is really, really normal. But I think that perhaps, and, and what I see as a midwife as well, is sometimes women are almost concerned or too scared to verbalise how they feel at that time because they think that either I'm going to judge them, I'm going to take it further, I'm going to report them. But what is really important is to know that we are here to all support each other, midwives, mothers, whoever, and you should be able to talk about your feelings if you are feeling shit on, on that day. And I know when we spoke before, you said that sometimes just going to the park is an issue. Mm -hmm. And it's you, you should never be judged for that because it's part of motherhood. And yeah, it is an issue. You've not slept properly. You haven't thought about yourself properly for a long time. This tiny little human is completely dependent on you. Every, your old life as you knew it and the person that you were has completely changed. And on top of that, you've had a forceps delivery, a load of hormones in your body, and you're trying to breastfeed. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's all of these different things. No wonder why going to the park is sometimes a struggle. Yeah. And that, that is, that's normal. And that exactly as we said before, that's what happened to you. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think I described it to a very close friend of mine recently that's just had a baby. And we were having an, an honest chat about it. And I said, I remember some days I would feel like I was wrapped in bubble wrap. Ava was always in my bubble wrap. Mm -hmm. I was fortunate that she <laughs> she was in my little oh. cocoon with me. <laughs> yeah. But I'd be sat in a room full of people and it was like nothing could quite penetrate me. My mm -hmm. hearing sometimes would go. My vision sometimes would go. Yeah. Um, and I'd be looking around. And then all of a sudden I'd look up and think, I have no idea what's just been said. Mm -hmm. And then you try and jump in the conversation and then you think, have I said the right thing? Have I offended somebody? I don't know yeah. what to wear. And I remember leaving, you know, you meet these new mum friends and I was really fortunate to meet a really good group. Oh, but the good. difference of meeting new people compared to the people you've known for 20 years yes. is you do still worry about what they think about you. Because yeah. if you're having an off day, they haven't known you for 20 years. Yeah. And I remember leaving um, a coffee play date one day, thinking halfway down the road and just bursting into tears uncontrollably because I thought... I'm an idiot. I have no. I don't think I said anything of any meaning. And Aww. you know, before that, I would con consider myself someone that could sustain a reasonable conversation. Yeah. And I just thought, I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And have I offended people? And I've got nothing to add to anything yeah. anymore. Um, I hear that so so frequently. That is how so hundreds of women feel. Yeah. Yeah, and I think you sit in the room and you think that everybody else has got their stuff together, mm -hmm. and you think that they're all judging you. And actually the truth of it is, in my experience, is they haven't got the time or the capacity to think about you. No. <laughs> it's it's reciprocal. It's kind of egotistical. I must just sit there thinking, all these new mums are really thinking about the way you speak, but they're yeah. not. <laughs> they're just trying to trying to do the same thing as you. And yes, exactly. You're judging them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that is so, like I say, that is so, so common, but we just don't talk about it enough. So... If there was, if you could encapsulate, and this might be a bit of a difficult question, but if you could encapsulate um, a couple of things, say three things mm -hmm. that a new mum should take away from this, mm -hmm. what would those three things be? Whether that's about labour, birth, pregnancy, the postnatal period, caring for a newborn, working, going back to work, mm -hmm. anything. Like, What would be your three key things, do you think? I think... The first thing I definitely hope, if I am fortunate enough to um, have another child, is that I really don't want to sit there and compare myself to mm -hmm. other people and to judge myself mm -hmm. on what I think other people are judging me on. Yes. Because actually we are ourselves, our own biggest critic mm -hmm. and the things you are thinking, no one's probably thought, because I certainly don't sit there and think about other mums no. <laughs> and what they're doing. Yeah. Um, 
apart from with admiration normally like oh my god look how, look how great yeah. they are <laughs> yeah um so that would be one of my big and that's t- from labor to birth to how you breastfeed whether you decide to use uh, formula milk or breast milk whether you decide to wean your baby at four months or six months mm-hmm. whatever you think you're doing and you do it because you think you're right stick to your guns yes. and sometimes you'll make a mistake mm-hmm. and that's okay and just learn from it and walk yeah. on and don't judge yourself too harshly yes i think that'd be my first yeah um my second try and do something nice for yourself and i know everybody mm-hmm. says that um but when no, it's, a, it's a really important one, yeah. Yeah, when I was breastfeeding, I mean, I was really fortunate. Ava and I took to breastfeeding really well. I really enjoyed it. But my boobs were ridiculous. At three months, I got them measured, and they were a 30J. Oh, wow. <laughs> I can't imagine that now. It wasn't pretty. It's not, not an attractive <laughs> breast. <laughs> they, not nice. And I, and I got measured, and I uh, burst into tears, because in uh, two shops, I was told, yeah, we don't. We don't stock that size. And then I went to um, a really good local shop and they spoke to the amazing shop assistant and she was like, come on, let's just try different bras. And I was crying my eyes out. And I spent £100 on new bras. They weren't breastfeeding bras Mm -hmm. and I didn't care. And they were beautiful and they had beautiful designs. And then when I got my boobs out to breastfeed, I was like, check out my nice new bra as well. (laughs) If you see that on the way to the nipple, that's fine. And I wasn't ashamed anymore because I actually felt like there was something a little bit... Yeah. Sexy and nice on my back. And breastfeeding isn't sexy in any way. No. But it made me feel there confident. Are, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And there are little things like that that you can do, where such as going and buying some, whatever it is, yeah. a nice cream for yourself or, you know, even a nipple cream. Yeah. Whatever it is, just going and treating yourself and Did giving you yourself... a good nipple cream. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, agreed, definitely, it's needed. But just going and treating yourself, whatever it might be, like you say, whether it's a bra or, you know, a cream, anything at all, because you need to have that little bit back for yourself because you're constantly giving, aren't you, as a new mum? And then you, there's only so much and, and so long that you can do that for before you need a little bit back of self-love. And it doesn't matter if someone else is giving you things, like your partner, your mum or your sister, you really need to give that to yourself and have that self-acceptance of, oh yeah I look nice I feel nice this is great you need it yeah I mean it was you know polishing a turd in some ways because they they didn't look great they were massive and looked slightly swollen and bruised the whole time but they had a pretty bra on them (laughs) instead of the saggy cotton breastfeeding bra that had been Mm -hmm. stretched to capacity and just looked horrendous it was just awful and I thought no I can't do this anymore um and then the third thing um I think for me I was really fortunate and that's probably what kept me sane all the time, that I had a really good support system around me. Not just because they were supportive, but, for example, my mum would come round and she would make breakfast for me. She'd come at 8am, make a bre- bit of breakfast and Aww. clean up a bit. And then I might snap at her, I don't know, at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, mm-hmm. and she'd just say, oh, you've had enough of my company. And she'd quietly bugger off without any fuss. It wouldn't be a guilt thing. And then yeah. she'd come back the next day or a few days later, she'd give me some break and then we'd go out and have a nice Aww. time together. And I had... You know, my best friend was really helpful and did a lot in terms of supporting. Mm-hmm. And I think, accept the help. Did you definitely accept the help, yeah. Did your best friend have any children just no. by... No. no, not at the time, no. But she provided you with a lot of support and care that you needed. Because this is something that I often say to women, that they're, they're usually seeking other women that have had children. And it, it doesn't necessarily have to be that way. Because as you say, your best friend was there for you and she was amazing. So, you know, f- from a new mum's point of view, try not to put up 
too many barriers of, oh no, she won't be able to help or she won't want to help or she won't understand because quite a lot of the time they know you really, really well. Whether you have had a baby, whether you're just going through a crappy time, you need to talk to someone or your relationship's not working out, your mates have been there for you. So there's no reason why they won't be there for you when you have a baby. So, you know, try to avoid making that assumption of, you know, they're not going to help me. Absolutely. And I think... I have to say first, the group of mums I made friends with are amazing and I still see them and I'm still in contact with them. Mm-hmm. But at the beginning when I was feeling vulnerable and insecure, yeah. they were probably the group that I was the most nervous around because mm-hmm. they knew me the least. I met them when I was pregnant. Yeah. I was in the, and you, it's kind of like starting school again. Mm-hmm. You know, you go into yeah. a class and everyone forms into little cliques and is everybody yeah. going to get invited? And, and then you're like, am I not yeah. going to get invited? Oh. And then yeah. you do and you're like, yeah, yes. I'm there. <laughs> I'm in with a public WhatsApp thread, yay! <laughs> and it's you think, I don't need this shit. Quite frankly, yeah. when I'm pr- trying to push out a baby, now I was lucky that the group I made friends with were great mm-hmm. and they were supportive. But actually, the the people I found the biggest support in were my closest friends. And at that point, there was two groups. One had lot had children, and one lot didn't. And the ones that didn't have children. The great thing about them was they were able to remind me of a time of myself where I didn't have a child and make me laugh about that and live vicariously through them. You know, they'd come, yeah. oh my God, I just did this. And you're like, what? <laughs> and it's nice to be reminded of those things yeah. and for somebody to treat you not like a mum because they don't recognise it all. So they don't treat you like a mum. They treat you as their friend. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I would definitely take some time with those people more than I think people think they should, like you say. Yeah. yeah. Don't always hang out with mums. No. <laughs> Quite boring, really. <laughs> Great advice. I love it. Thank you so, so much for joining me. You've been amazing. And I think that anyone listening to this has taken a lot away um, from what you've said and your help and advice and just sharing your birth story. Because like you say, it didn't necessarily go exactly as you planned it to. But that is okay, And that's what you had on that day. And you're both healthy and well now. So, yeah, thank you so, so much. No worries. Thank you for having me. And so thank you for listening. And anybody that would like to contribute to the podcast, um, if you'd like to be featured or you have any suggestions at all, then please do feel free to email me on marie at mlmaternity.com. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks. Thanks.